most of the time I have so, so many of those reusable bags. I have some in each car, uh, you know? And so even once it, when we were in the supermarket and I left them in the car and it was raining, I still ran out to the car, went to the trunk, got the bags and came back in because you could. And because I had prioritized that importance to it. Um, when in the past, I probably wouldn't have. I'd been like, oh, damn, I can't believe I forgot the bags again, you know? So it's nice. I don't have like piles and piles of plastic bags in my house anymore. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. I've been talking with many people about their challenges as well as leadership in general. Not often do I hear something in a podcast conversation that's a new habit that I'm going to try. This conversation with Michelle led to two. I recommend them both, and I'll try to find a way to report back on here how they both go. Plus, she shares how her new book, The Connector's Advantage, keeps growing, now internationally. She shares her experiences with plastic bags, something a lot of people tell me they want to do. Note how she says that when you commit to something, it becomes a habit. It can be that straightforward. Habitualizing something makes it effortless. People look at changing their behavior and they think it can be really hard. The transition may be sometimes, but once the change happens, it becomes habitual and therefore effortless. I always think of diapers. Changing them to me seems much harder than bringing bags to stores. But first-time parents go from zero to 100% basically overnight. Seems to me if people can do that, they can do this. Anyway, let's listen to Michelle. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Michelle Tillis-Letterman. How are you doing? I'm good, Josh. How are you? I'm very good. And when last we spoke, your book had just come out. If I remember, it had hit in the teens, maybe 17 for the bestseller and like all of Amazon. Do I remember that right? Yeah, 17 for all of Amazon. We hit number one in a few categories. So it was a great day. So this is not like a little book. Like I had no idea when I met you something like 10, 15 years ago that I'd know someone who had like such a success. It's really cool. I wish I'd gotten to know you better then, but now's the, now's the best time. And then also since then, you've probably been doing some stuff with plastic bags. And so I'm kind of curious about both of these things and anything else if there's top of the list stuff. Although I'm curious about the book, has it, you know, mine just came out and I feel like a lot of this, when it comes out, you realize all the things you wanted to change, but also some things that were really good. Did you have experiences like that? <laughs> I actually um, recorded the audio book which I think is now out on Audible. I should check that. And when I recorded the audiobook, I found typos. It would drove me crazy <laughs> uh, because you're reading your whole book. And, and, you know, when you read it after writing it, you don't see those things. But when you're reading it to try to communicate it to an audience, you see all those little nuances. But it's been an amazing experience. You know, this is my fourth book. It might probably my last book. Um, I say probably because my husband laughs at me because I said that was my last book after my first book. <laughs> Yeah, when you said last book, I thought, I'm going to take her money by making a bet. <laughs> She's going to write another. <laughs> That's why I say probably, um, at least for a very long time, because 
as you know, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of the work is, is making sure that people are having access to it. And so um, we had a great run in um, the airports and I actually found myself in Penn station right underneath the Hudson recommends sign. So that was pretty cool. We are in Korean language and Vietnamese is making an offer. So we've already gone international. Um, So, you know, it's been really well received. I'm still working on trying to get my goal of a hundred reviews on Amazon. I, I think it's last time I saw it was like 58 reviews. So if you're out there and you read it, whether you liked it or didn't, a review, honest feedback is so, so greatly appreciated. <laughs> Not just appreciated, it helps future readers find it. Yeah, but it also um, it helps it helps not just the readers kind of understand what it's about and, and what your take was, but it helps us writers to know what did work or didn't work. And so other work that I do, I'm actually now a contributor for Inc. And I'm also syndicating that column on Thrive Global. And so it gives me a sense of what people want to hear about and what's important to them. And I can, um, even though I might not put another book out, I can certainly write articles to address some of those concerns. Yeah, I was just thinking as they write those things, you're going to have to write another book, but then you've already got that. <laughs> but this also just shows that if I remember right, you did not start. The, by the time I met you, you were already a connector, but you were not that way originally. And this is a testament, it seems. I mean, your connections reach out to Korea and to the densest parts and the most highly valued. I mean, I imagine the cost for putting a book in Penn Station is going to be very high. So they're not going to do that unless it's offering value that people are paying for it. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I think about the fact that I probably am considered a global super connector. And here's how that happens, because I'm not necessarily going to try to meet people in different countries, but this just happened this week. Somebody linked into me. And when somebody links into me that I don't know, that seems interesting, you know, I I will connect to 98% of the people who ask me to. There's always those few that I... I think they're going to spam me. And so I don't. Uh, And so I always reply and I say, you know, how did you find me? And I see we have this person in common or whatever it might be. And one woman replied and said, "Um, this woman posted about your work and I thought it was interesting. So I thought it would connect. And she gave me the person's name. And so I then connected that person and said, hi, somebody just reached out to me saying you posted my work. Thank you so much for sharing. Would love to connect. And she then responded to that email. And so we actually ended up getting on a uh, a Skype call, video, chatted, I totally hit it off. Well, she happens to be in the UK. So it wasn't that I was seeking, it was that I was following. And that's what a connector does is that they don't just say, oh, that's nice that somebody posted about me. They go and try to connect with that person to build more relationship. And now she's like, well, I'd love to do a feature of my newsletter on you. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so now my work is going to get out to uh, you know this audience in the UK. You've just answered something I've been wondering about for a while, because as my renown increases, I keep getting more and more. I have tons of these LinkedIn requests, and I don't know what to do with them because, I mean, some are definitely like spam, and some seem like genuinely interested, but I don't know where they came from. And maybe I should go through and start responding and just ask, who are you? Where are you coming from? Not in a like an accusatory way. Or what's in your mind when you do it? So my feeling is, I mean, there's sometimes when they're clearly wanting to sell you something and even some of those I still connect to, but I put a note and say, you know, I'm not interested in this, but I see we have a lot of people in common and happy, happy to connect. And so I let them know off the bat that I'm not interested in that. There's been a couple of times that I had to go back and block people. (laughs) You know, when you get those, you have a great smile type of emails that, that just leave you a little unsettled, but I deal with some of the sales or some of the spam and I let them know. Because if I let them know I don't want this, then they'll stop doing it. 
for the most part. And if they don't, then then you can block them. But there are some great things that happen when you are connected to a lot of people. I probably have 5,000 connections on LinkedIn um, and I'm willing to reach out to those connections. So if somebody says, hey, do you know this person? I'll say, no, I don't, but I'm happy to try to put you guys together. You know, if I know one of the parties at least. <laughs> and so what happens is you pop up more. So sometimes when I send that note to say, you know, hey, how'd you find me? Were you on a podcast? What podcast? Or were you on the webinar? Like I try to think about when they when they reached out to me. And if I had just done a webinar, I'll say, hey, were you on that webinar? And if they say, you know, no, this is how I found you. I say, oh, great. And so we have a conversation about that. And sometimes they just say, LinkedIn popped you up. And I thought your profile looked interesting. And so when you are connected to more people, LinkedIn will help you connect to even more people. So it spirals. Well, I'm going to start doing that, even though I mostly keep thinking social media is a mess. Like I keep reading about how it messes things up. And so I tend to avoid it in favor of more in-depth relationships. But I'm going to follow your advice and see how it goes. It wasn't advice, but I'm going to follow your lead and see how it goes. So here's my take on social media. It it can certainly be a time suck, but the intent is not just to up your numbers. As I said, like that person who I reached out to because she posted about my work, I mean, that was significant for her to have shared something of mine. And so that relationship is now offline, right? So we got on a a Skype. We have had face-to-face conversation. I actually had her, she's an author as well, it turns out. She's a podcaster as well. Um, So we might be on her show in the fall. Um, I invited her to join a group of other authors. Like, so we've really connected and solidified and extended our relationship where it will continue. It just happened to have started on LinkedIn. Yeah. What got me thinking about it differently is not you're saying, you know, some people at one end of the spectrum is like, give out your business card to as many people as you can connect everything in every way possible. And that, that to me is not networking. That's, I don't, that's like buying a lot of lottery tickets or something like that. But what you're doing is something different because it comes from a place of, um, well, you said following, not in the sense of follow a leader, but following like following a thread, following, seeing where this connection can go. I mean, being curious, like, okay, you reached out to me. Tell me why without being accusatory, as you said. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to let you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to not that you were Not that you're saying that, but you may be curious and I like curiosity. And speaking of curiosity, we could keep talking about the book, but I, I'm curious about how plastic bags went. It was really interesting. It is something that has bothered me for a long time about the plastic bags. And we're actually in our town. There's a a notion or I don't know what you call it, a, a bill that is up for banning plastic bags in our community. And I kind of hope it passes because when you force yourself into a certain way of being, it becomes a habit. And you know, I can't say it's been 100% because if I am doing something that could spill, I'm going to take the plastic bag. But when I can, I use the paper bags. And most of the time I have so, so many of those reusable bags. I have some in each car, uh, you know? And so even once when we were in the supermarket and I left them in the car and it was raining, I still ran out to the car, went to the trunk, got the bags and came back in because you could. And because I had prioritized that that importance to it. Um, when in the past, I probably wouldn't have. I'd have been like, oh, damn, I can't believe I forgot the bags again, you know? <laughs> so it's nice. I don't have like piles and piles of plastic bags in my house anymore. And uh, it has made me think about some other things. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, but my husband's giving me a little hard time about some of the plastic bottles. And so he's like, maybe that's next. <laughs> um, and so, you know, everyone's kind of getting on it. Even, you know, I have a sitter that sometimes does some shopping for me and I've asked her to always take the, the bag. So now there's five more people who are trying to avoid the bags. You made me think of a story. I want to ask about 
follow that up, but you made me think of a story I have to share. It was in, I can't name any names because this it's a student at NYU. And I went through this process with him in person, not recording it. And he decided that he had various reasons that he wanted to make the world more efficient, more elegant. And plastic bags, he was like, plastic bags get in the way of things. And this is what he said. He said, he goes to the stores and they're always giving him all these plastic bags. And he already has plastic bags. So he's, he's got like this pile full of them at home of plastic bags. And my talking to him led him to realize, all right, NYU, this is an elite school. This is one of the top schools in the world. He realized he could bring the bags with him to the store and reuse them. I'm like, how did you not get this? I, of course, I didn't say this at the moment. I'm thinking to myself, how did you not think like they're giving you all these plastic bags, you hold the plastic bags at home, just bring the bags with you to the store. And then, but leadership is about going to where people are not where you want them to be or think they should be or where you are, but where they are. And so uh, it was a big deal for him to realize that he could bring those plastic bags in and not get new ones all the time. Well, it's interesting that I had used to do. So I would, you know, our supermarket actually would give us like a penny or two of a bag that we brought in. So I would often bring the bags just because I was so tired of having piles and piles of bags. But I think using the reusable ones takes it to the next level. And also, if you bring in 100 million bags, that's a million dollars. Unfortunately, it wasn't that many bags. <laughs> and so, so you were talking about the play-by-play. All right, you went in the store, you left, you realized you didn't left them in the car. It was raining, you went out. I heard you laugh. And what was the emotional? How, how did you feel about it? Maybe that one instance, but also in general. Is this something you were, it was like a burden? Was it something that was a joy? Was it something to connect you with? I guess husband? I felt good about the fact that even in the rain, I valued the commitment. And my son, who is definitely an environmentalist and, uh, you know, he's a vegetarian because he loves animals and, you know, his birthday presents are adopting wolves and things like that. He, he's been very cute about it because he's like, I'm so proud of you, mommy. Mm. <laughs> Did you expect that or was that a pleasant surprise? And if you expected it, why wouldn't you have done it before? I don't know if I realized how much he was aware of it. Um, Because he's a quiet and shy kid, so he doesn't speak up about it. Um, But those little moments of, um, you use recyclable bags and his excitement about it. It was really nice. You know, it reminds me of when um, my mom knows, I mean, she listens to the podcast sometimes and she knows that I'm, she knows all the stuff that I do. But when I'm like, when I visit her, here's one thing. This is not a particularly big deal in terms of the environment of like the total effect. But I notice that people in the house, they seem to only... When they use the faucet in the kitchen, there seems to be only full on blast or off. And so if someone wants to just like rinse off a spoon, they put it on full blast. And the thing is, I, I can't say to anyone, you know, you, you don't have to put it on full blast. You can put it on less and it does the job. <laughs> but I don't want to be a nag. I don't want to be annoying. So there's a lot of latent things that I think are lingering around because so many people react like, stop telling me what to do, or they're not open to it, or you suggest it and they don't do anything. And when you show that you're amenable to it, it opens up the door. Not you. When one, sh- I mean, when anyone shows that they're that they're willing to hear, then people can say more. Yeah, I like that. When when people, yeah, say that again. That's a really nice line. Oh man, now I got to hit rewind. It was when people, <laughs> when people uh, show that they're willing to hear people say more. Yeah, I'll have to clip that and send it to you right after this before you know before posting it to get the quote right. But you should put that quote in your show notes. Yes. I will. And everyone can hold me accountable because now it's like online. This is how people talk to each other when they're like, when they write leadership books. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling inspired? 
Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So relationships, how about, I mean, you alluded to the son, the husband, but also five other people. I have two sons, um, me, my husband, and then we have a babysitter in the house that comes and goes. And so how did this work with them? Did you suggest to them changes? Did you just do it on your own and let them I just told out? them. <laughs> told them what you're going to do or what they should do also? I mean, was there any- This is a new household rule. Oh, really? Yeah. So not just for yourself, but for everyone. It was the household's goal to use uh, re- recyclable bags and to use less plastic and that given the opportunity, don't take the bag. And so it's interesting, like, you know, we'll go to CVS and pick up her prescription and they give you the bag. And so my husband and I have just gotten in the habit of being like, no, I don't need the bag. Because, you know, you don't come with a recyclable bag to CVS. You're not doing a big shop that I'll just, I'll just carry my stuff out, holding my receipts so they know I'm not taking anything, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's little moments where you just don't need the bag, keep the bag. And so we all just got into habits of doing that. Now, I I keep asking questions partly for listeners because I think a lot of people are like, well, I want to do that, but it's going to annoy people around me or maybe they're going to feel like I'm nagging or something like that. Did you have concerns about that before you did it or? No, didn't think twice about it because I think when we tell people what we're doing and why we're doing it um, and invite them rather than tell them, now it's different when it's your household. I didn't have to necessarily invite my family but when you are talking about people who might not be in your household, then I would position it more as an invitation. Like, hey, would you like to do this with me? But if they don't, there's no judgment. And I think that's what people worry about is um, being judged or feeling like a, a nudge. And so if you can just counter those two things, don't judge people and don't nudge people, <laughs> but invite them and share with them the, your reasons for doing something. And honestly, that energy and that passion is often contagious. And you don't even have to usually invite. Um, they might just say, I love that. I'm going to try that too. Just like we just had that experience when I talked to you about how I handled LinkedIn. And I wasn't like, you should do this. You were just like, huh, I think I'm going to try that. <laughs> I don't think that I've used the invitation tactic, I guess, the way of doing things and saying, maybe some, I guess, how would I do this? So maybe one time when I used the, I'm thinking now of the, of the sink in my mom's kitchen. And maybe I open it up just a little bit and say, hey, would you like to use it just a little bit too? Uh, That sounds like accusatory. No. So what you might say is, you know, you're all aware that I've been doing a lot with leadership in the environment. One of the things that I put new on my list is to not put a faucet at full blast. You know, we don't always realize it. You know, what do you think? I want to give that a shot. Now I want to keep talking to you because the more I talk, the more I get these little things. Or I can just reread your book. (laughs) <laughs> but, but right. How does that feel? Does it feel a little bit differently? Cause one you're sharing first, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And then, you know, you invite them. You might say like, you know, what, what are the things that you have found? I'm always looking for ideas. What are you true? I think I might want to say at first, because there's a lot of things that I might suggest to them or rather that I might invite them to do. And so I think at the first, I might have to say, you know, all these things that I'm doing, I find they improve my life. Or, you know, would you like, me to share some with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would say like you're leading with the benefit, right? So I would give them more specifics about how it improved your life. 
um, if you want to take the you know benefit tag. But the invitation is really about you know, hey, are you interested in some ideas that you, that might work for you too? Okay, and they'll they'll say yes or no, and you know what? If they say no, then you got to let it go. Yeah, and then just sit there and watch them pouring the water down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I, I've certainly learned that from this podcast that I've been very pleasantly surprised at how cases where I hold my tongue when someone says something like. You know, I just kind of made fun of the of the NYU student that um, what seemed to me obvious was not obvious to him. But who knows the number of obvious things that other people see in me that I haven't realized. And if I act like, oh, that's obvious, then that just shuts people down and it keeps them from talking. So I've learned. Oh, and then also many times people have said something that seems trivial to me, like their challenge is like something really small. And to practice, I've learned if I say that, you know, can you go for something bigger or that really doesn't do much? then now it's, they're up against my judgment. Whereas if I just support whatever they come up with, then they'll tend to find things that were beyond what I could have come up with on my own. And they, they do bigger things. I mean, the big one that comes to mind is Dove Barron, who he, do you know him? I don't know. Yes, I do. Yep. Okay. So he originally said he was going to drive his car less than 100 kilometers in a month, which is not even not driving it. You know, it's not driving less than 100 kilometers. I don't know. Did I tell you about this one already? You mentioned him on the last podcast, okay, but so- I don't know what the result was. So at the end of the month, he said, let's go for another third episode and maybe I'm going to get rid of this car. And a year later, I spoke to him and he had not driven the car in a year. He hadn't yet sold it, but he hadn't driven the car in a year. And there's no way, I don't think that if I had said to him, why don't you just not drive your car for a year, that he would have said yes. He came up with that on his own. And that keeps happening. Non-judgmental support seems to be more effective than judgmental uh, challenging. Absolutely. So, oh yeah, there was one question I wanted to follow up on. Uh, you said that you're starting to think about other things. Did I hear that right? You know, it, it has me thinking about, you know, I tend to like a water bottle, a plastic water bottle, and I reuse it and I reuse it and I reuse it. You know, I might use one plastic water bottle for months, but I'm still using a plastic water bottle. <laughs> um, so, you know, I haven't gotten there yet, but little by little, you know, I'm every once in a while taking not a plastic bottle to the gym or things like that. And what's the cause What's leading to that thinking about something that you hadn't thought of before? It's probably obvious, but I'm not sure. No, I mean, I've always thought about it, but I'm actually, for me, the taste is different. Like, I don't love the taste in those plastic, you know, those metal water bottles that you bring with. I don't like the taste of the water. And that's been my hurdle. And what I meant is what's getting you to think about it differently. If that, that's always been the case, there's something about, it feels to me like something about the plastic bags is getting you to think something about well, I think when you start to focus on one thing, you think about it's not that hard. <laughs> and what else little things can I do to be better for this environment? That's what I figured, just checking. Because I, I think that a lot of people feel like there's so much out there to do. And the path to it is not just ever, I think a lot of people know, take little steps. But I think what they discount is that when you take each step, the next thing is easier and easier and more obvious and, and more natural. And that seemed to be the case here. I just wanted listeners to hear that, like, if someday you've figured out some way to avoid both plastic bottles and um, whatever the taste is, it probably came from doing some other previous little step. And I would guess that when you finally get to it, if you do, then it will be from following your nose, kind of doing what feels natural, I think. I will let you know. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. So anything to wrap up with? Any, anything I didn't think to ask or any message to the listeners? 
You know, I think the message at the beginning and the end are very similar. The idea is that whether it's connecting with somebody or doing a little reach out or thinking about the environment in some small way, it is the idea of just thinking it beyond, like taking action beyond the thought, right? So we think it, well, what's the one little thing we can do to push the action here? Um, So I think it goes to whether you're thinking about what you want to do to protect the environment or how you want to become a connector and expand your connections and strengthen them. What's one little action you can take? And can we also wrap up with, can you remind us the title of the book and where to get it? Absolutely. Uh, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. You can get it on Amazon. You can go to theconnectorsadvantage.com. If you want a bunch of free resources and a free chapter and all that good stuff, you can go to um, my website, which is Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And from there, you can get my blog, my YouTube. You can link in to me. I'm going to send you an email when you do. (laughs) (laughs) And you might be on Skype with her. You never know. Well, Michelle, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Josh. I'm glad Michelle shared how her experience connected her with people around her. I find that when people commit, they act like leaders. Fears about other people being problems transform. They see others as part of the solution and therefore connect with them. And that's one of the big lessons that I've learned from this podcast, and I hope others do too. Acting on environmental values builds community. you feel inspired to then act go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others value means better and worse and living by your values means living better by your values you may struggle at first but it's the hero's journey from living by others values to living by yours people say that little things add up i won't argue against it but what i find counts is acting Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.